Good morning. If you would turn with me to Revelation, to the very end of the book. Um, I hope y'all have enjoyed this uh, this journey through uh, this last book of the Bible. I hope, as it's our prayer, Rick and I, that um, this would our, our point was to make this accessible to you, to make this book not scary, but a book that you uh, can un- that we can understand, and that we can come back to again and again and again. Um, you know, we, uh, we're made um, to learn in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, if any, the educators in the room, those who, who studied this, there are different types of learning styles. You know, there's audio learners through just hearing. That's more my speed, you know. I was the kid that would stop taking notes because it would distract me. I just wanted to listen to the professor. That's how I got it. There's read-write, you know. Uh, there's uh, there's people that need to do it. There's kinetic learning. I think that's what you call it. I don't want anyway, if that's that's wrong. Don't correct me. Anyway, but there's people that have to do. You have to do it to to learn it. Um, and uh, there's also visual learners. And you think about it. You know, God teaches us in all those ways. And we've got the scriptures we can read. And He's called people to teach and preach so you can hear it. And and. And there's the, the learning, those who need to, to do it and live it out, well, that's every day, right? Every day we're experiencing our weakness and God's grace and His strength and the comfort of Christ. And then, where's the visual learning? Can you see God? Have you seen Jesus? The, the, the visual is in the sacraments. The visual is also in the Word. In this book, the visions... That John sees. He, it's a written word, but he's describing these beautiful pictures. These, these, these images, not dreams, but he's taken up and seeing behind the veil. And what is he seeing? Is he seeing something brand new? No, he's seeing the one who's been revealed throughout all of Scripture. He's seeing Jesus. He's seeing the promised Messiah. He's seeing who he is, where he is, what he has done, what he will do, and what he is doing. And he sees it. And we get to see it as well. We have to have... You might have one learning style you like more than others, but I would maintain we, we need to learn by all those different ways. And this last book of the Bible gives us the visual, helps us see Jesus. That's been the point. And so... These last words we're about to read aren't visions. They're concluding remarks, but it's about these visions. These seven visions, this one revelation of Jesus. Before we read this last, these last remarks, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this, your word. And we thank you for revealing Jesus to us in all these various ways, for showing us not only that He is in heaven and in control, but He is present with us, that not only has He got a plan for the future, but He's working it out right here and now, and that we um, 
share in his fellowship and will share in it fully when he comes again. So Lord, I pray that this, these final words, these last words, last words of your revelation to us would be comforting and that they would um, abide deep in our hearts, that we would keep them and cherish them and share them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words, the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. There's three points I think that are clear in this passage I want us to see. We're going to look talk about this morning. The first is... We have a true and complete word from God. We have a true and complete word from God. Second thing we see in this passage is that we have a present and powerful Savior. And thirdly, we have here a glorious and mutual invitation. A true and complete word, a present and powerful Savior and a glorious and mutual invitation. 
Uh, we see this the very uh, this true and complete word. Where we see that? Well, we see it throughout, but it's at the very beginning here. He said, "These words are trustworthy and true." How do we know that? His point is this: is that I'm not making this up. I wasn't just you know having this weird dream that but and, and, and wrote it down. This is not just out of my dream journal. But God showed up to me while in exile on Patmos and showed me these things. These visions, this truth that I've recorded is from God. And if it's from God, then it can't be false. There is no falsehood in God. It's His character. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is completely trustworthy. He's fully righteous and holy. The source of these words is God, God Himself, the Creator, the Sustainer, the Redeemer. These are from God, and they are trustworthy. They are true. He says that they came to Him by an angel, that a messenger from God showed up and and brought this. And we see this throughout, that the angels throughout Revelation have brought the Word of God, done the bidding of God. They are sent from Him. These are not fallen angels, but the angels on high that did not fall with Satan. And they carry out His his will and bring His Word to His people. And He said one of these angels showed up and gave Him this and revealed these things and led Him and showed Him all the visions. The visions of... Christ in the midst of the church, to, to Christ on the throne and God on the throne, to, to the vision of heaven with the cherubim and the seraphim and the, and the elders and, 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 and the living creatures and all those things. He saw it. He saw, um, he saw the, the four horsemen and yet he saw that God has a plan for all the, the things that are going on in this world and how he's using that to, to even the sufferings of the saints to bring them to bring them home, to, to sanctify them and complete them and to make them into His image. He's seen how God is at work bringing about justice, even though not fully, even though there are evildoers among us, that He's seen these things. He's seen the power and the, of the fall and of Satan and how He uses governments and false religions and philosophies to attack His people. Yet He's seen again and again and again in His repeating visions, what? That Jesus is coming, that Jesus will make it right. This is what has been revealed, and it's true. It's from God, brought by an angel. And look at what he says. Look what he says to John. This has to be comforting. So comforting to John. Look what he says. He goes, when the, when the, uh, when the angel talks to him, he says, Don't worship me. I'm just a fellow servant. With you and your brothers, the prophets. I mean, just uh, this is kind of an aside, but imagine being John and seeing these things, and maybe he's in his own sinfulness and struggle, and kind of coming back to to earth, if you will, and seeing the reality of on this being on this desert island. He goes, "No, no, no, this is true, and I'm a servant with you, and I'm also your." in the company, John, of angels and prophets. That this word I give you is like the word that I gave to, to Moses on Sinai. It's like the, the, the word spoke through 
through Jeremiah, through Isaiah, through Elijah, through Elisha. Like these, you're, you're one of them. I'm giving you the true word of God. John, that's your company. You are a messenger of the true and authoritative Word of God. This is your company. And, and that this, this Word I give you is not something brand new, but it's a fulfillment of prophecy. That you're not bringing something new to bear, but it's in the line of the prophets. And then he says, look what Jesus says about himself. I am the, the root, verse 16, the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star that that all of Scripture is bringing us to this point. That again, we've said this again and again as we've looked at this, Revelation doesn't bring us new information, but brings the, the gospel, the truth, the, the, the truth of God, the promises of God to bear in a different way in these visions. And He's the fulfillment of all of Scripture. This isn't just the last word of, of Revelation, it's the last word of God's full revelation, all, all these books of the Bible, all, all the canon, all of His revelation, this is it. This is the pinnacle. This is the end. This is the last word. And John, you have that word. Just like Moses. Just like the angels. And guess what? You have that word too. Look what he says. I'm a fellow servant. This is the angel of the Lord, bright and glorious with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Do you hear that? Like, if you have this word, you are in the company with John and Moses, Elijah, Samuel, all the prophets. We have the true authoritative word of God given to us, kept for us by the Spirit through the centuries you now have the word that's true and powerful. You and I keep company with the apostles and the prophets and the angels because we have the true revelation of God. It's true and it's complete. There's nothing missing. There's nothing that you have to add. There's not too much and there's not too little. There's actually this warning at the very end. What does he say? If anyone adds, if anyone takes away, what? The curses described. The curses described to those who don't have, um, who are, are not, don't have the, uh, who are not written in the book of life. The curse will fall to them. That it is an affront to God to, to take away or to add to it. Why? Because if we take away or we add to the Word, then we really misunderstand and misrepresent who He is and who Jesus is. It's not as though that the Scriptures or the Bible is something to be worshipped apart from God, but it is God's Word to us. We cannot know God truly unless He reveals Himself. He is the one who existed before creation. The only way we can know the author of creation is for Him to write Himself into it. God has done that. God has entered in and revealed Himself. And it's so, He's saying, no, He's not just being a stickler. He's not just saying like, no, I don't like you to, to add or take away. You know, you know I don't like, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a perfectionist and He's kind of tooky, He's kind of picky. No, it's that if you take away, if you add or, or take away, then you're really missing who I am. I'm the only one 
that can reveal me. I'm the only one that can tell you how to be reconciled to me. And we see that. We're tempted in our own hearts to take away or skip, to, to, to skip over passages that really hit home. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to be convicted of that. Or we add to it by saying things like, you know, like the Pharisees did. You know, not only am I supposed to, you know, keep the Sabbath holy, but, you know, I'm only I'm supposed to walk this many paces or, or take this many, uh, you know, uh, you know, eat this much or do this or do that. Like there's all this adding to, the, to God's requirements throughout Scripture. And He says, no, you have my true word and it's complete. It's not too much and it's never not enough. Think about that. It's never not enough. A lot of us feel like, you know, if I just had more word from God, if God could just speak into my life, if He could just show up and, you know, like, like He did with John, right? God, could you just tell me what to do here? Like, even if you send an email like, from Jesus, that's probably spam. Don't, re- don't believe that, okay? I don't think He communicates that way. But like, if I could just get that, but like, you have enough. He's not leaving you. He's not, he's not just going, I'm going to give you just enough to make you kind of flounder and, 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 you know, and hurt and worry. He's like, no, I'm giving you my full revelation because I want you to have life and to have it abundantly. I want, you to, I, want, I want to speak into your life and I've given you all that you need. And sometimes we struggle to believe that, but the, probably what's going on, we really are struggling to understand the complete word He's given that's not to shame you, but it's to encourage you. We can always learn more. That's why we, you know, we, we've preached Revelation. Should we just stop preaching? <laughs> are we done? We need to talk about these calls. What are we going to do next, Rick? I don't know. We're done. We've, hit, we've, we've, hit, we've, said, we've said it all. No, it's, we keep coming back to it. Because we keep minding the depths and see, need to see more and more of Jesus. Now, I asked a question to uh, this, the question that the Sunday school class discussed before the sermon. How do we keep this? It says, keep it. And when we think about keeping the Word of God, we normally think of doing what it says. We think about keeping the law. How do we keep visions? How do you obey visions? Well, we, we have a weird view of keeping. Keeping can also mean this. Not just obeying, but guarding it. Guard the Word. Cherish the Word. What are the things you keep? Now, ask that. We might have some borderline hoarders in here. You probably keep things you don't need, you don't even cherish. Don't go in my attic right now. There are things I'm keeping, I don't know why. I think it's just too exhausting to get rid of. I'm not talking about that kind of keeping. I'm talking about something being precious to you. The thing you don't put in the attic. That's not in the unmarked box that you won't see again that maybe your children will see one day when they clean out the house. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what is precious to you. What do you keep on your person? What is there on your nightstand? What is it that you keep? You keep it. You hold it. You put it in the safe. It's valuable. This word, these visions are to be kept and remembered and looked at again and again and again and again. That's why it says keep it. 
Remember who I am. Remember where I stand. Remember that I'm on the throne. Remember that I haven't left you to the devices of the devil. Remember that I've got a plan. Remember that recompense is coming. Remember who I am and what I'm going to do. I keep my promises. Remember. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Hold on tight. And cherish it. Because this is the word of life. He also says... We keep it by sharing it. Look what he says. Do not seal up the words of this prophecy, of this book, for the time is near. If you've got children, nieces, nephews, pets, what do you do? You take pictures and what do you do? Look at this. Look how cute they are. Look... Look, they're precious to you, and what do you do? Share it. You don't hide it. You keep letting people know, because it's precious. That you wish you cherished, you're really going to talk about. We have a true and complete Word of God, a revelation from Him. It's lacking nothing. We don't have to add anything. And He says, keep it. Not by obeying We do keep God's word, his revelation. There are commands, but this is what? Something we guard, we preserve, we cherish it. We need to see Jesus and we share it. Second thing, we see here in this passage that we have a present and powerful Savior. Now look at verse 11. This is a curious verse. This is the one that's kind of like, when when I read it, you probably went, what? What does that mean? Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy. What in the world? (laughs) Are we supposed to call people out of that? What does he mean by this? What have we seen throughout the passage? What have we seen throughout the book of Revelation? That Revelation is helping us make sense of God's promise, His continuing work, In the midst of what? A fallen, broken world. While there is opposition. Every day. All the time. He's writing to first century Christians who are the minority. They've been alienated from from the Jews. They've been... they're, They're persecuted by the Romans. They're on the run. They've had to leave home. They've had to leave Jerusalem. And they're going, God, what are you doing? And this word is to them. But it's also to you and me in the 21st century. <laughs> that every time we have... You know what? They didn't have 24-hour news cycle in, back in the first century. You know, and I'm, you know, this is where... Like, they, 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 did they have a harder life than you? Yeah, they didn't have indoor plumbing, things like that, right? Okay, did they have a harder t- life than you? Yes. Did, did, did you have to, were you worried about getting arrested and thrown at the lion's den or into the arena to, to fight wild animals or be killed by gladiators? No, but you know what? You have the burden of seeing all the brokenness all the time, 24-7. And that's on top of your own stuff. <laughs> the way the sin and, 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 and the fall is affecting your family, your friends, and your own struggle with sin. What God, what are you doing? 
And But he's saying, God is, what we see in these visions, that God is working in the midst of this. He's not, he hasn't let his hand off the wheel. And what he's saying here is, do not let the broken reality, this broken world, make you doubt God is, that God is present and powerful. He's saying, let the evildoers still do evil, let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. He's saying, this is the way it is. And that doesn't change the reality of God, Jesus being on the throne. And that this kingdom is coming and that the time is near. Do not let the present evil age tempt you to doubt God's faithfulness. There is evil, yes. There, there is filthiness in this world and yet God is still at work. He's still present and powerful. He's both imminent and transcendent. And we've seen that throughout this, this, this book, haven't we? And when we say imminent, we, we can mean it in two ways. We see it throughout the passage at what? That, what does he say? I'm coming soon. How many times does he say that? Have you noticed it? Five times. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 10, verse 12, verse 20. He's talking about I am imminent in a temporal way, in a time way. I am coming soon. The time is near. It's almost here. I'm coming. You're going, well, this was over 2,000 years ago. But he's saying, I, I, I'm working. It's, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. You can see it. Who has Life360 on their phone? Anybody have that? I have that. My wife knows where I am all the time. And, which is great. I don't have to remember to call her and text her. She can see where I am on the road. That's good. Because I forget things like that. I also can see where my kids are. They're mobile now. They've got phones. They're, I've tagged them. They don't know that. My boys aren't here today. I've tagged them. You know, like, oh, I'm tracking them. Oh, okay. And so I know where they are all the time. But, like, this is kind of like God saying, I'm on my way. <laughs> There's progress. You can see the little dot moving towards you in the destination, right? God's like, I'm coming. It's happening. And the scripture goes, that's how we need to think about this in Revelation. He's, he's moving. It's not just that he's stationary. It's not that he's forgot. He's making progress toward the day of his coming. It's soon. It's happening. It's, it, it, he will come. There is, as I've said many times, there is an end to the final, uh, there's, a, there's a final bell to the good fight of faith. There is a, there is a finish line to the, to the race. And it's when Christ comes. There's a time sense in which He's near, but also there's a spiritual sense of His nearness. And you have to go back to the beginning. God is imminent and that He is coming soon, but also, where do we see Jesus? The very beginning of this book, He's standing where? In the midst of the lampstands. And where are the lampstands? It's the church. He's with us right now. He is near us. He sent His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and dwells within us. And He is present. He's near. He knows. He knows the struggle. He says He holds the messengers of the church in His hand. He's in our midst. Christ is near. Christ is present by His Spirit.
He's imminent in his that he's coming soon. He's imminent in that he's accessible. He's with us. And he's also transcendent. He is both imminent and transcendent. He's both near and present, yet He is the Almighty One who sits on the throne and all of creation looks to Him and worships Him. All of heaven is captivated, not by heaven, but by God Himself. And remember the vision where he's, he comes out and he stands one foot on the sand and one on the ocean? That he's like his stride spans from the Atlantic to Nebraska? That's how I think about it. Not just he's on the seashore, kind of got one foot in because it's cold. But he's, he's standing above it all. He's standing above the beast of the sea and the beast of the land. And also, what we, the most recent vision is when he shows up, all of heaven and earth just flee away because he takes up all the room. God is powerful and glorious. Glorious and powerful and transcendent enough to do what? To judge the evils. He says that, look, verses 12, 15, 19. To strugglers, to people living in, the, in, in this hard, broken world who are dealing with sin and injustice. He, what does he say? I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Why? Because I'm the Alpha and the Omega. There's nothing that escapes my knowledge and my power. I I was at the beginning, I'm at the end, and everything in between is mine. It says it in verse 15. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, they will be on the outside of this glorious kingdom to come, this, this vision of the new heavens and new earth, this, this where He brings everything in to the Holy of Holies, where everything, all of creation is brought into His presence and all the nations, all the church, everyone from all over will be brought in, but there will be no sin there. Sin is not welcome. Brokenness is not welcome. Evilness is not welcome. His people will be gloriously transformed and all those who have rejected Him will be on the outside. And also you see this in verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, this prophecy, God will take away His share in the tree of life in the holy city. There will be judgment on evil. Justice will come. He's powerful. He's transcendent and powerful enough to do that and also powerful enough to bring in His kingdom into its fullness. Not only will He, will he bring judgment, He will bring about His kingdom in its fullness. Look at verse 13. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and they enter the city by the gates. He has made a way and it's through the the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By His blood, you may enter in. He is powerful to do that. He is greater. His grace, His mercy is greater than all your sins. He's made a way for you to be with Him forever. Look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. I guarantee it. I will bring about what I promised. The new heavens and the new earth. 
He's present and powerful, yet we doubt this because we're in the thick of it. We're in the wilderness. I'm not talking about your marriage. He didn't know I was going to use this. Let's just be honest, okay? Marriage, family, friends, work, all of it's wilderness, right? We're all parched. (laughs) There's nothing in this world, not even the most loving and devoted spouse, that can really quench your thirst and satisfy you. And there's a lot that's broken, even in the people that love you the most. There's a lot broken in you too, a lot broken in me, and that makes us doubt His presence, that makes us doubt His power, but we have these visions to say, no, He really is in our midst, and He really can do what He said He's going to do. Vengeance is His, justice is His, but mercy and grace is His too, and it's to you, His people. The Word is complete and true. We have a Savior that's present and powerful. And finally, I want you to see this. I want you to see this glorious and mutual invitation. I want you to see Revelation, and I think, I'm convinced that God wants us to see Revelation, this book, this letter, this apocalyptic letter, and all of Scripture, really, as an invitation. Um, there's this weird... Uh, I, I, I just came up with this. I'm going to go with it. You probably won't get it. I don't know. But there's this... Uh, I, in my younger days, I watched a lot of SNL, and there's this actor called John Lovitz, and he had this weird character. And it was, he would talk about himself, and he would go, he would say, like, I do this, I do that, that, get to know me. <laughs> that, it was just this weird tagline. It was so silly and absurd. <laughs> but he would describe himself and look in the camera, get to know me. <laughs> and um, as weird as that is, that's really what the scripture is. It's an invitation. God's saying, get to know me. (laughs) Be in fellowship with me. Commune with me. Here's who I am. Here's what I've done. Here's how I've loved people like you from the very beginning. In your sin, in your brokenness. And I've pointed to a redemption through an atoning sacrifice. And I've provided it. And I love you, and I will meet you in your brokenness, and I will bring you in. And I want you to see these visions of of this is what's going on, and this is why it hurts, and this is why you're confused, and this is why you doubt. And yet, I'm I'm in it. It's part of my plan. I'm coming, and I will bring you home. Get to know me. (laughs) And it's here, isn't it? You see it. This get to know, the the final words are, come. The Spirit, throughout the whole Scripture, the God has said, come, come to me. And we see in, we see Adam and Eve being clothed and, and, and coming. We see Abel trusting in God, though his brother didn't, and and, and, and bringing, coming with sacrifice. We see Seth, we see a line of, of believers from the very beginning coming near to God, drawing near because He's invited them. We see Abraham being invited, though he was 
He worshipped idols and did not know God. God said, come. He, he gave him promises that kept reminding him of his, of his invitation and his, and his faithfulness. He, he brought Israel out of slavery and says, come to me. He, he revealed himself in his law saying, come, this is who I am. Be like me. Be with me. He, he gave a sacrificial system that said, I can make a way for you through atonement. Come to me. He, he sent David as a king. He goes, you need a king like this who's going to rule you, rule over you and point you to me. And, and, and a king that will say, come. And he keeps inviting and inviting. And Jesus shows up and says, I'm here. Come to me all who are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And here the Spirit says, come. And not only the Spirit, but the, Spirit, the, the people that the Spirit indwells, the church, the bride says, come. Come to Christ. Come to the God of the Scripture. Come and be forgiven. Come and be reconciled. Come. some point in your life, if you're a Christian here, you heard that call. You heard the Father effectually call you. The Spirit worked and you saw Jesus. And you saw Jesus not as someone who's going to get you or someone who's a fraud, but someone with open arms that said, come. And you probably heard that through who? Through a believer. Through a person. From a pulpit, writing a, writing a book, or just sitting down having coffee with you your mom, your dad, whoever, come to Jesus. Come. And because you have been invited, we have been invited by God through His church, we, we can say this and mean it. We can say to Jesus, come. Surely I'm coming. And then what's John? He says, Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Think about that. The only reason you and I can say that and and mean it is because He invited us first. And we're answering. In this is love. Not that we first loved God. He first loved us. He first said to you and to me, come to me. And now, as His church, as His bride, we say, come. And that invitation that we give, that, we give, that invitation that we ret- return back to Christ is one of it's a cry of both assurance and also a cry of desperation. Have you ever just been so moved by the gospel? Like, come Lord Jesus! But have you ever also just been so moved by your own brokenness and the brokenness of the world in tears? You said, come Lord Jesus. I'm convinced John's feeling both. And if you feel both, complete assurance and yet doubt and desperation, at the same time, you're not alone. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the condition of the believer. But the answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. He is powerful, He is present.
He is coming. You have been chosen from before the creation of the world to be His. He has invited you. And the cry of our hearts isn't to be, Come, glory. Come, sinlessness. Come, health. Come, eternal life. We know that all that comes when Jesus comes. He's invited you. And so we, as His people, are to continue the cry of our heart in both desperation and praise and joy is, Come, Lord Jesus. Um, We're about to partake of the supper now. And this is a clear sign of the invitation, isn't it? Jesus came and then broke bread and gave wine, the fruit of the vine, to his disciples, saying, I'm inviting you in. You're mine. He came not to be served, but to serve. And he demonstrated that in this meal, when he instituted it, and then what he did the very next day, which was to die on the cross and three days later to rise again. He said, you're invited in. I've made a place for you. Let me ask you a question. If you invite me over for dinner, and um, I say, thank you so much for having me, you'll be like, okay, great. And then every three minutes I said, thank you, thank you so much. I, I can't believe you actually invited me over. You'd be like, oh, okay, okay. And then we're eating and, I, and you, you know, and you pass the potatoes. Thank you so much for these potatoes. I can't believe you'd give me potatoes. <laughs> this is the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. What would you finally say to me? You're like, Grant, calm down. I want you here. That's why you're here, because I want you. I'm glad you're here. That's what this meal is for. A lot of times we doubt. We doubt that He's invited us. And sometimes we doubt that we really want to invite Him. We don't feel worthy. Guess what? You're not. But He came. And He made a promise. And He's coming again. So if you're in Christ, come. Let this visual... Let this visual just drive home this the visuals of, Re- of Revelation that He is real. He really did come for you. He really is at work in your life and He really is coming again. And if you're in Him, if you trust Him, not perfectly, but if you look to Him, you're invited. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You for this, Your Word. Bless. Uh, bless us. Help us to, to feel your invitation to believe it because it's not just from John, it's from you. It's a real, true, reliable word. Help us to know we're invited and to share this invitation with others. May we cherish it, may we share it, may we keep it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.